Today's episode is brought to you by our company, Sales Schema. Sales Schema helps agencies and B2B service companies build a reliable business development system through tasteful and targeted outreach. To learn more about us and check out our latest video training, go to saleschema.com slash take charge. There are all sorts of different solutions and you have to adjust it based on what your own skills are, right? Because do more of what you're good at. There's a lot of people who will tell you, oh, you know, you're just going to have to teach yourself to do this. Not necessarily. Oftentimes you will achieve more if you just lean into what you already do well and get help with the other stuff as opposed to forcing yourself to learn something. I encourage you to to really define that role for yourself and then get the help that you need to make sure that everything else is getting done. Today's episode is sponsored by our company, Sales Schema. Sales Schema is a fractional new business team for marketing agencies and B2B service companies. And that's a fancy way of saying that we go out to the market on behalf of our clients to tee up meetings and keep the pipeline full no matter what's going on on their end. We do this through a proprietary approach, which we call relationship sales at scale. What makes this different is that instead of going in cold, we secure relationships by identifying and tastefully reaching out to the sorts of prospects that are already likely to talk to our clients based on personal and business commonalities as well as existing relationships. So if you'd like to learn more about what we're up to and schedule a free consultation, you can do that by going to saleschema.com. Again, that's saleschema.com. Today's guest is here to help you answer uh, a pretty simple but powerful question that probably doesn't get asked enough. And that's how do you build an agency or a business that you actually love to own? And that guest today is Chip Griffin. It is either his second or third time on the show, I forget, but he's a recurring guest. Chip helps small PR and marketing agency owners build agencies that they actually do want to own. He has shared the wisdom of his successes and the lessons of his failures for more than two decades of entrepreneurship and agency leadership. And I always enjoy checking in with Chip and hearing you know, the kind of emotional journey he's helping agency owners with. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview. So please give it up for Chip Griffin. Chip, very nice to see you again. It is great to see you too, Dan. Yeah. And we, we were just talking before I threw on the recorder. And I, I love the way that you kind of frame your your angle for coaching and mentoring agencies, which is, you know, the question of how do you build something that you own that you actually love? You know, so there's so much to dig into there. But first I just love to get some examples of that. Like the the agencies that you work with that truly do love what they've built, like what if any commonalities are you seeing? Like what does that look like on a day-to-day basis for them? Yeah, I mean, what I tend to see is is agency owners come to me and they're frustrated with the business, something about it. They're working too hard. They're not making enough. They they really want to shake things up. And so often it's because they never took the time to figure out what they really wanted from the business. And so as they start to reshape it into something that they actually enjoy showing up to every day, that gives them the flexibility that they want to spend time with their kids or to take some time off, have some family visit, whatever it is. It really empowers them and they can accelerate the growth of their agency. So, you know, if, if you're not fighting your business, you're more likely to be successful. Right, right. That that makes sense. And what, what does that process look like? Like, are there any examples you can talk about of how do you do that soul searching to find what you want if you're running an agency? <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I what I use is is what I call the AIM GET framework. Uh, it's an acronym for ambition, identity, management, growth, execution, and talent. And ambition is the the what it starts with, right? You need to figure out 
what are you trying to get? So I sit down with an agency owner and I ask them, you know, what kind of work do you want to be doing? How much time do you want to be working? What kind of flexibility are you looking for in your schedule? How much do you need to make? How much do you want to make? What are you thinking about in terms of your own exit, whether that's retirement or moving on to the next stage of your career or something? And as I start to, to go through that, a lot of times the owners haven't really considered those questions before. Right, because you wake up every day as an agency owner, and and many agency owners, as you know, Dan, are accidental. They started out as a freelancer, and they got more work than they can handle. They hired some contractors, and all of a sudden, oh look, I've got a ten-person agency, but I never really planned it. And they don't step back and ask themselves these questions. So that's what I do with them. And at that point, they start to to get clarity about what they're trying to achieve. And now we can start using that information to shape their own job description, which I like to do first, right? Because you have to start at the center. Get your own job description squared away and now figure out what you need to do with everyone else on your team and with all of the other services that you have. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And it reminds me of, you know, I was I was kind of like perusing YouTube the other night and I think I'm late to the party on this, but a Howard Stevenson lecture came on. Do you know him by chance? I do not. He's a Harvard Business School guy and he was like a successful hedge fund person in his days, probably in his 70s now. And he talks about the idea of uh, achievement, uh, legacy, happiness and all these things kind of being being different and he, he likens the metaphor of juggling compared to balance like we hear so much about balance and then I was, it's a really good lecture he's kind of all over the place but it's fun and he talks about the idea of like balance being like a seal balancing a ball on its nose right it's just so it's so fragile and it doesn't really get you anywhere versus juggling you actually have to put focused energy on on each thing you know one at a time and the other thing that he says that's interesting is like you can drop some of those balls and they're resilient. Like if you drop the achievement ball, maybe it's going to bounce back up. But if you drop the happiness or the family ball, it might shatter, right? And you, we've all seen that family strife, divorces, or whatever. Uh, so anyway, I don't have a great question. But I just love love to get your thoughts on that and kind of how that gels with the way you see things with with your clients. Yeah, I mean, like everything's balanced, right? And so, you know, it's, it's not like you can just say, you know, I mean, as much as Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week, you know, got a lot of attention, it's not really realistic, right? You, you have to balance things out. You say, okay, if I'm going to try to achieve this level of success, I need to put in this level of effort. And, and there are trade-offs that you're making throughout life, throughout your business career. And so you need to understand what those are. And, and so much of what I try to, to preach is intentionality. So in, instead of, you know, waking up every morning and saying, okay, let me look at my inbox. You know, what clients are on fire? You know, what, what do I need to do to pay the bills? You know, how do I go get my next client? How do I fill this empty hole on my team? Instead, it's, it's stepping back and it's asking yourself, okay, where's this whole, you know, ship going and plotting a course. Because if you do that, then you can make those balanced decisions more directionally and in, in, instead of just allowing the winds to take you, right? Because the the balance is going to achieve itself one way or another. If you can drive the balance, you're going to be much happier. It's kind of funny because like the find, finding that sort of meaning and figuring out what you want, I, I found for me personally is uh, you can't use the same process that you're using to achieve things. You know, you kind of have to use this weird kind of like more mystical process of letting serendipity into your life. And for different people, that means different things. Like maybe that's taking more walks or going on a vacation or, you know, whatever else. So I just love to get your thoughts on that. Like how are your clients going about figuring out what they actually want out of their businesses? Well, Dan, I love that you mentioned serendipity because this is something that I've been writing about for years because I think particularly as we've we've gotten into a technological space where it's so easy for us to get 
uh, algorithms, you know, telling us what we should be looking at, whether that's YouTube videos, you know, as you mentioned, going down that rabbit hole recently, uh, newspapers, blog feeds, all these kinds of things. We're it's all programmed to give us things that it thinks we're going to like that it, it we've done before. And serendipity is so important to our lives generally that we need to, to find ways to break out of those algorithms. And we need to ask questions. We need to be, you know, picking up magazines or looking at websites that we wouldn't otherwise, you know, go just randomly look at things on YouTube instead of just following, Hey, this is the next video in the sequence. Because if you do those things, you start absorbing more information, as you say, on walks and those kinds of things where you're able to get this information that allows you to say, Hey, I hadn't thought of it in this particular way. And one of the things that I always encourage agency owners to do is to look to adjacent uh, industries to look at other entrepreneurs and understand what they're doing, because there are lessons to be learned in all of these things. Things we do on a day-to-day basis, Dan. If you're if you're going to get your haircut, not that I've done that in many many years, but you know there are things that you can learn just by observing things while you're in the barber shop. And so take advantage of every opportunity for serendipity to learn, explore, and figure out what it is that you're really trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. One thing is you know that sort of balance, right, where you're you're finding out what you want and the changes that you want, but at the same time. We're we're not running uh, freelance solo enterprises, right? We all have these systems and processes and employees that are promised certain things, and or, or they have not promised but have certain expectations. Let's say, how do you balance figuring out you know what you want as an owner without throwing a hand grenade into the lunchroom and screwing everything up for for all your partners and clients and employees and stuff? Right. Well, and and that's one of the things that I always work with agency owners on because we go through this process of uh, process of ambition that I talked about, and we we define what you want from the business, and so then you get all excited about, oh, this is this is what I'm I'm doing. Well, it takes time to get there, right? You know, you you can't just you know wave a magic wand, snap your fingers, and tomorrow you know your business is this because that is the hand grenade rolled into the lunchroom that uh, you know probably isn't going to achieve the, the results you intended. And so it's it's really a, a question of, of mapping out. This is where I want to be. This is where I am today, right? So the the next piece of the puzzle is you really have to do that careful self assessment of the business that you have of of the life that you have now, and then say, okay, here are the incremental steps that I can make along the way to get there. And once you start breaking it down into those chunks, it's it's sort of like you know if you decide to go on a fitness or weight loss regimen, right? You don't sit there and say, you know, I'm going to be able to run a marathon next month and I'm going to be 100 pounds lighter, right? You set it in stages. I'm going to lose 10 pounds and run a mile. I'm going to lose 20 pounds and run a 5K. And if you break it down into those chunks, it becomes much more achievable and you start to see the progress, right? Part of the problem that we all have when we're trying to make changes in our business is that if we're not seeing that immediate change, if we you know, are running a new business program and we don't get immediate new closes, new sales, we get frustrated, Okay, so let's set those bars incrementally and we'll start to see the progress and we'll be much more likely to stay committed to it. Right, that makes sense. What's the cadence of decision making that you found to work for your clients? Like, do you find any trends like they are making decisions too quickly or once a month when it should be once a quarter or once a year when it should be once a quarter or something like that? I'd love to hear how you go about thinking about the how often decisions are being made with your clients. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's one of those things where you really have to strike the balance based on the individual's personality and approach because you've got folks who are chasing every shiny object, and so you know those may have a tendency to to reevaluate 
too often. And so every month they may be, you know, veering in a different direction based on some article they read or or something they heard. And there are others who may be, you know, too slow to move because they're too cautious. And so you really kind of have to modulate it based on your individual personality. But I would say that in general, you should be, you know, reviewing your key milestones on a monthly basis because that's generally enough time to have made some kind of progress towards them and allows you to evaluate if you're still headed in the right direction. It will depend on the, you know, the specific goal, of course, because, you know, some take longer to achieve than others. But I would say that's probably what I would typically recommend just as a starting point. Yeah. And one book that I, I haven't, uh, that I, I, I won't shut up about is uh, this one called The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. Have you read that book? I have not. Basically, he talks about like the idea of thinking time, like the importance of devoting like wide, wide broad swaths of time to just like thinking and, you know, and he offers like prompts. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Like, do you, do you recommend that to your clients? Are there prompts or thought exercises you give them as they're planning, you know, quarterly with their agency or whatever. So, I I mean, thinking time is absolutely critical. And I think one of the things that agency owners do is they fill their schedules up too much. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a big believer in in block scheduling where you will sit there and say, okay, I'm going to block out a half a day or a day a week where I'm going to, to do more deep work on my agency. And so I'm not going to take meetings and I'm not going to do phone calls and I'm not going to you know do the day to day but instead I'm going to you know branch out and look at some of these other things where that falls on your schedule sort of depends on your client base your team all that kind of stuff but you know I, I think if you're doing that and then on a, on a quarterly basis I would encourage you to take a few days right where I, I used to do a couple of times a year what I called think week it was an idea I stole from Bill Gates and so I would just grab a bunch of reading material and ideas and I would go somewhere for a week, sit down with it and just kind of, you know, be one with my thoughts, if you will, not in some sort of, you know, karma, spiritual kind of thing, but just, uh, you know, really thinking through these different ideas and how I could apply them to my business or my life or those kinds of things. And it was a chance to get out of that daily grind because so much of what we do as agency people is fighting the fire that's right in front of us. And if we do that, it's it's like David C. Baker, who's a, a great agency consultant himself. He often says that, that you can't read the label from inside the bottle. Yeah. And so you need to take advantage of these opportunities on a regular basis to get outside the bottle and take a look at what's really going on. Yeah. And one thing that you said earlier in the interview, which is interesting, is the idea of deciding what job you want to have within the agency. Semi-related to that, one question that I get a lot is like, how do you have time to create so much content and to get out there and do all this stuff? And it's funny because I, I actually... I feel I feel like I'm going to get in trouble with my my employees or clients saying this, but I don't I don't work you know 80 hour weeks. I probably average about a 40 hour week, but I find that those hours you know doing what I'm doing now and selling and all those sorts of things are are demanding. And by the end of them, I'm completely wiped and I wouldn't have time. Like I wouldn't even be able to like type a sentence out or something after a certain hour. I find that the people that kind of get stuck working these 80 100 hour weeks are the ones that kind of never get out of fulfillment. And we've been fortunate enough to hire people that are better than me at the fulfillment side of the business, you know, in our in our niche of of doing outreach and kind of outsource BDR services. So I, it's not like I I could even aid their process much more than I already am. The next step for me is probably getting out of the sales seat and getting somebody in there to, to handle that. But then I'm a little worried like, okay, then what do I spend my time doing 
that isn't going to derail all the processes that are working. And that, you know, right. it's a champagne problem if and when we get there, but it's still a problem nonetheless. So that's a lot of different things. I just love to hear your thoughts on like, how do you decide what job you have in the agency as you're going up the ladder, let's say. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to start with what you enjoy doing. And yes, there are pieces of every owner's job that they don't like, right? So I'm not going to sit there and tell you, you're going you're gonna to love a hundred percent of every minute of every day. There's going to be stuff that kind of sucks to have to deal with, and you're going to have to deal with it. That said, there is no one single formula for an owner to follow. There are owners who remain involved in client service, are perfectly happy to do it, and can balance it with other things because they've got help in other areas, whether that's you know sales and marketing of the agency, the administration of the agency, managing the talent, all that kind of stuff. So you have to figure out what you want to do, what makes you happy in the role that you have, and then get help. In those other places. So, you know, you're, if you're getting asked how much time it takes to create content, if you love creating content, create it yourself. If not, have someone else co create the content with you. It's one of those things where there are all sorts of different solutions and you have to adjust it based on what your own skills are, right? Because do more of what you're good at. There's a lot of people who will tell you, oh, you know, you're just going to have to teach yourself to do this. Not necessarily. Oftentimes, you will achieve more if you just lean into what you already do well and get help with the other stuff as opposed to forcing yourself to learn something. I encourage you to to really define that role for yourself and then get the help that you need to make sure that everything else is getting done. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, to switch gears a little bit, and I think you're you're uh, a much nicer, nicer, friendlier guy than maybe I am. But I find so I want to ask you to rant a little bit, like the things that irritate you in the agency space with clients, whoever. For me, I'll start like the things recently that that I, I tend to rant about are over automation. You know, that's kind of like beyond the agency space, but trying to over automate things that shouldn't in, in the sales world. Another is people that say things, and usually it's uh. It's not so much people that have done it. It's like academics and researchers that'll say things like interviews don't matter, references don't matter. None of that predicts performance uh, versus the people that realize like if this gives you a small edge, that can mean you know a hu- huge amounts of value over the course of time if you hire the right person. So just kind of like advice from people that have never actually had to do the thing I, get, I rant about. So that, that's my rant. I love to hear yours. Like what are those things that just kind of like stick in your craw? So I would say there are two things in particular right now that are irritating me. One is these agency gurus who claim that there is a magic formula or a silver bullet, right? And yeah. and if you go on YouTube and go down the you know the agency consultant rabbit hole, there are plenty of people who say in just thirty days you can have a hundred thousand dollar business, or in just a year you can be having a million dollar agency if you just do these three things. That's rubbish. That doesn't make any sense at all. You might get lucky and have that happen to you, but there is no single formula to follow. And so I, I think that you really have to, to be careful of that advice. The second one, and, and this is the, the big fad in agencies over the last couple of years, let's throw away timesheets. We don't need timesheets. Timesheets are, you know, they're, they're anachronistic. They're, they're ridiculous. Okay, look, I will agree that timesheets are painful and that a lot of timesheets are done poorly, but in an agency, you are selling your team's time. We can we can dress it up and call it value pricing or anything we want to call it, but at the end of the day, we're selling time. And so we need to know how much time we're putting into it. Otherwise, we have no idea what our profit margins are. And you really have to, to nail the profit margins, not on an agency-wide basis, but on an individual project basis in order to know what kind of clients do I actually want to get. Too often, I go into an agency and, and I'll ask them, who are your most profitable clients? They'll tell me their three biggest clients. 
then we start doing the analysis and we realize those are not actually the most profitable clients. They may pay the most, but that doesn't mean that they're contributing the most to the bottom line. And if you're the owner of a small agency, the bottom line is the money that goes into your own pocket. So you ought to care about that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so Chip, kind of getting to, towards the end of our time, um, one question question I've been asking a lot of is like, what what are you optimistic about? Like, what are you? What's on your radar there? Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of things to be optimistic about in the agency space right now because, I mean, first of all, most agencies are doing really well from uh, getting new clients, generating more revenue. You know, there was obviously a lot of concern a couple of years ago when everything started to happen, but but most agencies did a good job of adapting. There's a lot of opportunity for agencies today, particularly because we've moved to uh, a workforce that is more remote which means that our talent pool is expanding. So oftentimes agencies have complained about the inability to hire. And I will tell you, it is still very difficult for most agencies to hire, but you don't have to think about just people who are within commuting distance of an office anymore. And so the more that you expand your geographic horizons, the more opportunities there are to find talent. But with that talent comes new ideas, new experiences. And that really helps to enrich the agency because it brings new ideas it brings potentially new connections. And all of that allows you to grow an agency that really allows you to do what you want to do, both in terms of having a successful business, but also as most agency owners want, the ability to be creative, to do good work. Because most agency owners aren't in it just for the the dollars that they're putting in their own pocket. They're in it for the difference that they can make on behalf of their clients. And so the more that you expand those opportunities, the more success you can have and the more you'll enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense and it definitely bears repeating. Chip, where can people follow what you're up to, get in touch, all that good stuff? Absolutely. They can just visit the Saga website at smallagencygrowth.com. Lots of resources there and uh, would love to connect. Awesome. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode. Again, today's episode is sponsored by our company, Sales Schema. Sales Schema helps agencies and B2B service companies build a reliable business development system through tasteful and targeted outreach. To learn more about us and check out our latest video training, again, you can go to saleschema.com slash take charge. Again, that's saleschema.com slash take charge.